Next Legacy. Your host, Brandon, is in the house, and uh, not am I only in the house. I definitely want to appreciate the tons of people that's actually uh, literally stood in line in the chat rooms. When I say stand in line, I'm talking about, you know, everybody's filing in as we speak, and I definitely appreciate the love that everybody uh, has shown Outlaw Culture Radio, not just, uh, not just for what we've done as far as trying to make sure that we bring you culture, history, and everything that goes along to it, but also to show this man some love tonight. So uh, without further ado, I want to say a public hello to Mr. DeMond Wilson. Welcome to Outlaw Culture Radio. Thank you for coming. It's my pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. I, I, <clears throat> I enjoy doing the talk radio. You know what? And uh, we're definitely pleased to have you. And, uh, you know, you, you can't go anywhere without giving you a good round of applause. We definitely got to make sure we get it up for you tonight. Now, first off, first off, Demond, how, how, how are you doing? Before I even get into the particulars of, 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 you know, question and answering and stuff like that, how's everything going for you? I'm wonderful. I had a couple of movies slated and, and you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> my book is selling around the world, Second Banana, and, and, and uh, things are going well. Things are going really well. For an old guy, I mean, I pretty much do what I want to do now. You know, I'll be I'm coming up on 64. And, um, 64 you know, years are, young. You're and still young. People look at me, and they, people look at me, and they go, "You look 40." And I go, "Yeah, you see it from the inside. <laughs> you look, you're looking at the outside. You see it from where, from where I'm looking." Wow, you got you got good genes, man. So if you, I mean, even though you may feel it inside, you're you know the outer appearance, nobody could tell. Nobody. Could oh, tell. I know. I got five gray hair. I mean, it's incredible. I have a my my beard is gray, but on my head, I got like five gray hairs. I. I color my hair with tweezers. Somebody said, somebody said, we know you dye your hair. I said, no, my hair is down to the skin. You can't dye hair that short. <laughs> uh, just a buddy of mine who was supposed to play golf on Sunday out at uh, San Jacinto at the um, Saboba Country Club out there. It's an Indian reservation. It's a stop on the PGA Tour. I live in, uh, in uh, pretty much six, seven months out of the year in Palm Springs, and, and it gets hot in the summertime in Palm Springs, so I play, uh, you know, like Orange County, we have a place up there, and I play uh, Beaumont. Temperatures are in the, it's, uh, in the mid-70s. Down okay. in the desert where, my, where I have my house, it, it, it's been cool down here. It's only been like 103 during the day. Wow. But uh, <clears throat> I where, play where golf. Where are you located and, right now? Where are you located? I'm calling you from my house in Palm Springs. Okay, okay. 103, mm -hmm. my gosh. Hal Williams lives down here. You remember, you remember Hal has a house down here, one in Los Angeles. I played the, uh, Hoppy, the cop on the show. Right, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the Hammer lives down here. Oh, he does, Fred okay. The Fred the Hammer. Fred the Hammer. He has a, he has a jazz uh, spot on... Uh, on the local jazz station down here on Saturday nights from 9 to 12 p.m. And, uh, really? He's an avid golfer also, yeah. So this, oh, is, uh, this, is, uh, this is the end of the trail. You know, this is Palm Springs is, is where uh, <laughs> the, the, the average age down here is dead. 
This is this is like I'm like I'm like that I'm like I'm like that Indian on the horse, you know, where you both uh, both looking no down. Do like, this, this, no this, this is the end of the trail. When you come to Palm Springs, the fat lady is in the building, definitely. <laughs> No well, mama, mama and I, look here, look here, mama and I love it. We've been together 36 years, raised six children. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you get older, your bones get cold. So, you know, these people, my kids come down here and they go, Daddy, I don't know how you could take this heat. I said, uh, I moved down here because of the heat. What are you, retarded? You know, I'm down here because of the heat. <laughs> your mom and I stay warm down here. We like the desert. You either love the desert or you hate it. Yeah, it, there, there's no gray area, no doubt. You're, you're definitely Absolutely right not. You, you, and I'm you up like on the mountain. I, I know, I love it. I, I'm up on a mountain. I mean, I'm surrounded by mountains, and it's, it's about 20 degrees cooler up here. And in, in the, in the wintertime, the mountains are snow-covered. So, you know, it's, it's, it's like the end of the trail. And you are right. listening to DeMond Wilson right here on Outlaw Culture Radio. And... Um, Tomorrow, you know, and, and we talked before we actually, you know, put you on live, and, and I, I definitely want to say that growing up, you know, watching you do your work with Red, um, you know, just being a part of that whole, um, you know, that television year, you know, the years that you've spent on Sanford and Son um, did a lot for a lot of blacks in the industry and a lot of blacks in general, just for the simple fact that, you know, there's a lot of things that we all could relate to um, by watching your show and by watching what you've done and what you've accomplished. And as a fan first, I want to thank you for the, the work that you put in back in the day because, you know, only you and only, you know, Red and only everybody that you've actually associated yourself with during those times will, will really know the, the, the hard work that you guys put into um not just creating Sanford and Son, but going through a lot, you know, and and I know just by um, I haven't had a chance. It was to definitely read arduous. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I haven't had a chance. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a chance to read your uh, second banana book, which I just went online and purchased uh, the other day. Um, I I am definitely lo looking forward to it because I I really want to um, you know get a lot as far as what 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 went on during those years. For you, so if you can see listeners you? out there, I'm I'm 32. Oh gosh, my kids, my my kids, I have kids older than you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely kids your age. Tomorrow, and I, that's hard. To oh no, you. I have my oldest is uh, 36, 37. She's an officer uh, in the Navy, just, just stationed down in Cuba, just coming back up to Reno. They're headed to the Pentagon. And my okay. baby's 21. She's at, uh, at the university. She's a writer, very successful um, journalist. And, and uh, my oldest boy is a, a GM at a golf a country club. And my other son is an executive at Oakley. He just gave me some new gear. I just got my Father's Day present last night. You know, that's how my kids did. That's how my kids did. That's how my kids did. Oh, Daddy can wait. He got clothes. He don't need them. Yeah. But it was definitely a trip. That book is the real deal, Holyfield. That book is not a joke. It's not something that was thrown together. I waited 30-some years to put that piece together, and I, I was reluctant to do it. And my wife said, you know, I didn't set out to set the record straight. It, the book wasn't set 
you know, I plan for the book to be cathartic for me. Although it does set the straight, and although it was and is cathartic, uh, it is a monster. It's a monster. It's 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 things that people thought they knew. I mean, I get black people from around the nation calling me cuz and telling me that you know my father's name was was Joe Baloney and my mother's name was uh, you know Sarah uh, Liverworth. And wow. They don't have a clue. And my father's name is Grady Wilson. Uh, the characters were named after Red and I. Okay. Uh, Red's name was 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 uh, John Elroy Sanford. His brother's name is Fred Sanford. So my right. father's name is Brady Wilson. And the book it sets the record straight, and it reveals things about the series that nobody knew. Uh, I sat in the lurch. I sat in the in the corner when I grew up in New York and Harlem. Okay. Um, it, it, the 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 order of the day was to be cool. You know, these kids today are not cool. These kids play themselves and act all crazy and get right. drunk. And when I grew up, you know, you if you went to a club, you had a nice little taste and you sat there and you were cool. You put your head across your legs, put your, your hat on your knee and your, your handkerchief in your hand and you were cool. Right. And, and, and I sat back and I was cool for 30-some years. And then I came out of that, that, that coolness and put this monster together. And it tells the truth about the relationship, the true relationship between Fox and myself. Mm -hmm. um, it was a, it was a, it was primarily a love relationship, and um, it wasn't until the end that uh, <clears throat> we kind of parted ways. And uh, I didn't speak to him after the show went off the air mm -hmm. uh, from '77 to '82, okay. and I only saw him one time that time in '82. And uh, then he died, and uh, we never never spoke again. But it was definitely a love thing. We were united. Uh, we didn't make decisions without each other. And we right. were fortified. We stood together. And in those days, uh, because we were pioneers, because we were blazing a trail, it was it was it was it was necessary for us to be on the one. So when I first came with Red, he was. Red Fox. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody in the black community knew him because he Absolutely. did blue material. But he right. uh, immediately became the, our first part of our relationship was a was a mentor, a student, uh, and the second part of our relationship was a father son. And then near the end, it was a older brother, younger brother. He had to bring me up to speed right. on all of the things that that he had experienced that I wasn't even born when he was doing so that we could be on the one and we were definitely on the one. He said, I, I ain't doing it. You got to ask my son. Right. Whatever he say, that's what we're going to do. He called me the demon. You ask me, you go ask, you ask, you go ask demon. If he say we're going to do it, that's what we're going to do. Because you know he don't like white people. He was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he was insane. He was, he was, in, he was a crazy man. He was an insane man. We, People were terrified to come on the show because, you know, Red would rip people up. He'd rip them up. He, you know, you couldn't quit with him. And, and you know, they, everybody they were, they can tell Red, Red had that dynamic about himself. And everyone can tell you guys had such amazing chemistry on, on screen. Um, and It was real. Were, it wasn't acting. 
Absolutely, and that's what I was just getting ready to say because you can tell, I mean, just because you guys had that dynamic on screen, that, that really pays into just how well you guys actually not just know each other, but, you know, work well together and all those little things that I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't know um, by the time the show ended or whatnot. It, it, you can tell well, you guys book, really put in a lot of work. People read the, the read this book are going to be shocked. They're going to say, holy, I, didn't, I had no idea. You know, there was a battle going on. There was a, there was a money battle going on. There was a, there was a black issue going on, and we opened the door. Prior to Red and I, the only thing that was on network television that was black was Amos and Andy, and I'm gonna leave that alone. You know, you had a lot of uh, blacks starring in series. You know, you know, like it is like it is again today. There hasn't been a black network show since that terrible thing that the Williams brother guy did. Right. With the family thing. Uh, you know, you have, they put blacks on the back burner. They put them on cable. Uh -huh. And that stuff that Tyler Perry is doing, uh, for me, it's very embarrassing. Um, it's, a, it's a throwback. I'm not particularly a, a big fan of Spike Lee, but I agree with him uh -huh. regarding that stuff that Tyler Perry is putting out. I think that, um, I think that it's, uh, it, it's, it's a throwback. I mean, I'm being kind. Right. Now, now, now you, what you said is interesting, DeMar, because I feel like, I feel, I mean, you know, especially just by what you said, why, I mean, do you think a lot of it is monopolized by money, whereas opposed to, you know, back when you and, and, and Red did yours, of course, there, there, was, there was money involved, but there, it, you can tell there was also, you guys had more create, you know, power over your creativity as far as you know the five. Well, we refused. To, we refused to to, to, to to do that eye rolling and buck and wing. We refused to do it. You know, they would write, "I'm going red." We said, "Just write the dialogue. We will interpret the dialogue." Right. My son is intelligent. Just because we 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 live on South Central and we're in the junk business, they don't have to be ignorant. You know. And, and and we demanded, you know, that they hire black writers. I mean, you look at some of these shows today, and you got Jewish writers. I mean, I, I can write funny. I've, I've written screenplays and, and television shows. I have one right now that's a monster. Right. But I can't write Jewish humor because I'm not Jewish. Exactly. And they and they had all these Jewish guys in there who were more suited to for, for doing the cat skills and you know, uh, humor for Alan and artists like Alan King and that and the other guy that did that show. Uh, I can't think of his name. They, they had all the characters on the show. One of the guys went off and said some negative things about black people. Like the Jewish comic Jerry Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. You know, we weren't Seinfeld. We were Sanford and Son. And and and, and when Red would uh, when Red would break and and leave the show for higher money. I, I held it down, and then when I left, I went to Vegas because they said, you know, if you walk off the show, <clears throat> you can't do movies, you can't do television, you can't do radio. If your house catches on fire and they send a camera crew out there and we see you on television, you're in contravention of your contract. And I said, oh, yeah, wow. but you can't stop me from doing nightclub. That's where I started. I'm a right. hoofer. I, yeah. can, I can do monology, and so I went to Vegas and made twice as much mm -hmm. 
as I was making on the series until they boosted my salary and I came back. But right. it was a journey. It was not <clears throat> at all what people think uh, because there was no blueprint for us. They didn't have a blueprint. You know, when we were in the top ten, which was for the entire time, from number one, the number one slot to the number ten slot for seven years, six and a half years. <clears throat> uh, you know, we were the number one show at NBC. NBC in those days was the V powerhouse. They had the Dean Martin. They had the Dean Martin show. They had Ronnie Martin's Laughing. They had Flip Wilson's show. Johnny Carson was over there. Sammy Davis Jr. had a series at the Palace. Bobby Darren was there. Bob Hope was doing four or five specials a week. And Red and I became, uh, after the first year, uh, HNICs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Flip Wilson was walking around the studio wearing a cap that said HNIC and fuck it. He gonna have to take that off. <laughs> There's some new niggas in town. We were dressing in the bathroom. In the, when, we shot, when we shot that pilot, and we when we first started doing the first twelve shows, we had dressing rooms only on a shoot day. Mm -hmm. We were in the bathroom, the public bathroom. See, the public doesn't wow. know that. Wow. And 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 then they made Red look like a villain when he wanted a window in his dressing room. What the heck? Johnny Carson wanted a window in his dressing room, and they cut a hole in the front of NBC and put a window in there. Absolutely. And he didn't have the number one show at NBC. We did. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he Red stopped the executive producer Buddy Yorkin from even coming on the lot. He could the executive producer didn't even come on. The, wasn't allowed to come on the lot when Red and I were there. Wow. So it, it, it was it was a power trip from from from. They wanted to treat us like uh, field hands, and we weren't having it. I'm from Harlem. I grew up in Harlem. I fought in Vietnam. I'm a decorated veteran. Mm -hmm. Red is a veteran of the street, and we didn't play that. That's right. That's right. And, and you, and, and you, you can know, tell I, you guys had the no-nonsense uh, just about it. And, and one of the things that, that I know a lot of your fans and a lot of people actually uh, really related to was just, you know, there, there was, you know, every time, like, you know, there was so much humor in Red Fox. I feel like, you know, you and Red Fox, you know, had that genius dynamic about you guys and um you know it, it was so many different clips and episodes and certain things that so many uh, uh of your fans actually remember and and there was one in particular about you having uh the big one you know and and i wanted to actually play and pull this clip up and when when we're done after you're done with the uh with the clip here i want to ask you a question about this segment right here are you talking about the lena horn show That was one of the, when, when I first heard that, like, you know, especially Red was, you know, he was so dynamic with the, you know, I'm having the big one. And um, <laughs> so many of your fans, we, we kind of bugged out when we, we actually heard you do it, when we heard you do it. Like, what, you know, when, when that came up, when, when it was time for you to do it, did you know it was actually going to be as big as what a lot of your fans actually thought it was? 
Well, no, I, you know, you don't have any idea of, of what something's going to be. That was not my favorite uh, episode. My People always ask me what was my favorite episode. Uh-huh. My favorite episode was the thing that Red and I put together where he, uh, 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 what was the character's name? I can't think of his name. Did just to do our taxes, he came and and sold Red a horse that he told him it was going to be for that. breeding. I remember that. And and they wanted me to come in and and go in the kitchen and go crazy and come running out and go, what is a horse doing? And I said, look, let me do it this way. I come home and he said to me, son, sit down. I want to talk to you. And I said, look, pop, I've been working all day and I want to talk. I want food. Mm-hmm. And I go in the kitchen, and the horse, this old swayback nag, who had, it was a gelded horse. He couldn't breed a gelded horse. Right. And the old nag was in the kitchen, and Lamont it totally ignores the horse, walks around it, makes a sandwich. The mm-hmm. horse is nibbling at the lettuce. He puts the sandwich together, goes in the kitchen. I mean, leaves the kitchen, goes in the living room, sits down, pops the soda cap, and goes, Pop, what's that horse doing in the kitchen? <laughs> and his line was the funniest line of that series that we ever did, his line was, I don't know you saw him last. <laughs> that, that was my favorite episode with the horse in the kitchen because it was so ridiculous, but it was believable. That's the thing that made that show, uh, the fact that it was a father and a son and the fact right. that it translated, it could have been, we could have been Jewish, Italian. It was primarily a love relationship between a father and a son, and that is the universal theme. Um, like if you look, there's only been like four uh, uh, legacy type shows, and and they are in order. I Love Lucy, Andy mm-hmm. Griffith Show, mm-hmm. Sanford and Son, and All in the Family. Right. And 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 everything else came after that. Uh, it, it it the show had a universal appeal, and a lot of people missed it. You know, they say, oh, he called you dummy, and, you know, and they get involved in the semantic, semantics of the show, right. and they miss the big picture. You know, they, they don't see the big picture. The big picture primarily, and, and you can sum it up, it was, a, it was a love relationship between a father and a son, and that's universal. I, I can't tell you over the years how many people have come to me and say, my father, Italians and Jewish people and Greeks, right. my father was Fred Sanford. It, you know, Lamont was not a dummy. Lamont was not stupid. He knew his father was a con. He stayed for one reason and one reason only. He loved his father. He loved that old man. And he put and he put up with that nonsense to keep a roof over his head, as meager as it was. And the thing that I liked about it, when I first read it, <clears throat> when they came to me with the script, the, the thing that I loved about it is Lamont wasn't on, his daddy and him wasn't on no welfare. Right, right. They, you know, Lamont didn't go down there and punch a clock and, and make and make and make and make white people rich. Mm-hmm. And you know, he—I don't mean any disrespect. I love all people, all mankind. I preached the gospel around the world for 15 okay. years, but he did not. He—it it, it, it was their business. His father established that business, and that kid went out there every day. That's Quincy wrote that song. It's called "Doom Doom 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 Doom." That's called "Street Beater." Street Beater is the name of that song. Because that's what he did. He beat those streets and kept food on his father's table and a roof over his head and kept his business going. And that's something that our youth today 
don't know anything about. The spirit of entrepreneurialism has been taken totally away from the black community. Right. The, 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 the byword of a black woman is, you need a job. Somebody said that to me one year, of somebody I've known a long time. I said, I only owe the government $8,000 this year. I pay corporate tax, I pay mm -hmm. personal tax, and I pay property tax. Right. And I said, I, I only owe $8,000 this year. And she said to me, well, you need a job. I said, I am a job. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, need a job? I put my boys in business when they were 10 and 11 years old in car washing business. Bought them a wagon. Bought them chamois cloth and bought them canuba wax and, and had their sister do designs for them and stuff mailboxes. Those boys at 10 and 12 were making $500 a week, but they ate their CD because that was the, in the 80s, kids, all they wanted were video games. Right, right. You know, Donkey Kong and all of that. So instead of putting the money back, they'd come to me when they'd get like 25 calls a week and they say, Daddy, we... We need some product. I said, you're supposed to put that money, a percentage of that money, back into that into that product. So you always have product. That's how you that's how you run a business. But black people today, all we do, we come out of universities and we go and work at a corporation and they use our talents and our energies and make these people filthy rich. And nobody is being taught now about entrepreneurialism. There was a time when 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 I grew up in Harlem. All the stores in the neighborhood were owned by black people. Mm -hmm. oh, all black people want is a job. I said, you know, you know, that's not that's not America. That's not how America was was founded. And that was the thing, not to stray too far, that drew me to Sanford and Son because these were black men as meager. It's always oh, y'all didn't make no money. You lived in so what? It was ours. Exactly. We owned it. Yep. We wasn't leasing nothing. These black kids today come out of university, they get a BMW, a Mercedes, they get a condo, and they're one paycheck away from going back to mama's house in the basement. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And see, that was the thing that I took really from from being uh, from watching Sanford and Son too. Like you said, Damon, uh, you you guys worked. You I mean you know you had the one truck, and you took that truck around the world and back and brought the product back home so you can be able to do what you need to do with it. I think, like you said, a lot of, a lot of us younger, younger people and the, and the youth today miss it because those elements is, is you know, I mean, some, some things you can teach and some things you actually have to really understand, especially in, in, in today's day and age. Now it's, it's so media-driven, material-driven. You know, a lot of people do miss the certain little things like you just mentioned. Well, see, that's the thing, the, one of the few things, well, the, first of all, rap music is dead. When Snoop Doggy Dogg is doing pop music with a girl with blue hair, you know rap music is dead. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing that I liked about early rap music, because those kids did their own thing. They sold right. their records out of their car. Right. You know, you get you got a group like TLC that end up broke. And say, How do you end up broke? You sold 50 million records, because those right. record companies... They gave you a half of a half of a cent, especially when you first start out, because, you know, they, they tried to play that with me in the, in the television game. When I first started out, they put you on a pay scale. They said, okay, the first year we're going to pay you $1,200. The second year we're going up to $1,500. And Red and I looked at the numbers, and we said, no, we, we throw that contract away. We ain't having that. You know, we're number one show over here. You, we want some money. He ain't coming in, and I'm not coming in until you pay us. Well, we'll replace you. Didn't do it. 
Because you know you can't. Right. And see, that, that, without, brings, that brings to my question, DeMond. I feel like, you know, by what you just said, as far as, you know, you and Red really just kind of have, you know, you know at the end of the day, you and Red had all the power, all the chips in the right place to be able to be able to do that. Now you have you have so many talented people and you have so many people that's that's, you know, quote unquote in this business for whatever they feel like they, you know, they, they're in the business for. But why do you feel like um what well, give me your opinion on what happened to the the kind of mentality that you and Red had versus today's day and age where everybody is controlled by the dollar. And not it's by the selling out. You guys it's do. called selling out. It was back in our day too. They had people that would do anything right. to get on television, to get in a movie. They would buck their eyes. They would act like a fool. Um, I think that uh, uh, Halle Berry is a wonderful young actress, but when she did that movie with Billy Bob Thornton, I was finished. Mm-hmm. I, I was done. You could put a fork in my butt. I was finished. You know, I don't know why we have to play pimps and murderers and gangsters. I think that Denzel Washington is probably uh, one of the finest actors that has come down the pike since Sidney Poitier, mm-hmm. but turned him into a murderer. And I, 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 you know, he was doing distinguished things. He was doing uh, the Beaker story, and he, he, he did Malcolm X, and he was... And then all of a sudden he became a, a, a nasty murdering renegade, and, and that's right. you know used to when you when you when you bloodlet, white people will give you an Oscar. Right. When you lay down on your back and 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 have X on the screen, they will applaud you, and 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 that has to do with with the, the lack of morals here in the United States. But it's it's the same now as it was back then. There were people willing to do anything right. just to get on television or be in a movie. And, you know, I never sold out. Red never sold out. And there are people that still have integrity, but they don't work. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson makes a movie a month. Right. And his filthy mouth, I mean, and he's a talented guy, but every other word that comes out of his mouth, the same thing that when, when, when he did Soul Man with Bernie Mac, Mm-hmm. The filthiest language that I've ever heard. And then Bernie Mac is standing up there in front of an audience at the Apollo with that filthy mess. And that's the thing that killed Red. You know, I told Red, I said, look, I'm making $100,000 a week in Las Vegas. If you come and let these people put together some, some clean material. You could you had to work clean in those days. Right. And I said, Fox, we can make a ton of money. No, I'm going to do it this way. This is the way, this is the way I know. I've been doing it this way for years. You know. Uh, the only person that got away with that, really got away with that, was Richard Pryor. Right, right. Because somehow when Richard did it, it, it wasn't just for shock's sake. Richard was talking about his, his crazy, convoluted life. Right. And I, I knew Richard, and I love Richard, but Richard was a crazy man. He was a wild boy. <laughs> and, 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 and nothing could stop that. But, you know, today is no different than it was then. You had people that, are sold, that, sell, that, that sold out back then and people that, that sell out today. And, and they, want, uh, they want to present us as murderers and as prostitutes and as, and as pimps. And, uh, you know, you got 50 Cent and you got all these little hooligan-type guys who some of them grew up 
like P. Diddy, and, and, and they, they grew up in nice communities, and all of a sudden they became gangsters. Yeah, yeah. Who, who does that nowadays? Especially, I mean, well, everybody does it commercial-wise. But see, one thing, one thing, Demond, you you told me that really kind of struck a chord to me was the was the simple fact that when it comes to uh, the, the 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 thing that I see, especially about you and Red, was the fact that you guys did it your way. What what changed nowadays is people still sell out. Like you said back in the day, they still did that. The what what's missing nowadays is people like yourself, people like Red that will, hey, if a contract's presented to me as far as, hey, I got to jump, sing, do whatever I got to do to make a buck, oh, wait a minute, this isn't what, you know, my whole vision of being this kind of artist was. So you told them to go back to the table and figure something out. And it worked for you in Red. And I feel like, at, especially nowadays, and, and to me, I think you're really striking a chord to a lot of young people now because you you've, paid your dues you've done this for 30 40 plus years so everything that you're saying is really ringing true to some of these people nowadays because I'm, I'm getting emails or you know people saying hey you know what that's really the truth and I feel like it, it takes it takes more people like yourself and and just to be able to just kind of like hey you know what this is what I did and I did it the best way I could see and I did not sell out and other people need to take note and actually do that as well. But that's the only thing that's, well, see, that's missing nowadays. See, the media doesn't want to hear from people like me. I did uh, that what's-the-name guy show on uh, uh, on cable, the, the guy that has the number one uh, uh, cable show, uh, news cable show. I can't even think of his name now. Bill O'Reilly. Okay. Uh, a couple of years ago, the O'Reilly Factor. And... You know, everybody thought, okay, okay, DeMond Wilson, Bill O'Reilly, this is going to be volatile. And this man sat there and sang my praises for half an hour. And, and he said, this is, a man like this is what Hollywood needs to be shedding light on. Right. But they don't want to do that. They want to talk about Chris Brown beating Rihanna up and, 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 this, and Mel Gibson, who was, is supposed to be born again, cussing his girlfriend out and acting a fool and being drunk and and that, that, that's that, that's that's Hollywood today and uh, right. I I want no part of that I mean uh, I personally don't read or audition if people call me up and they say demand would you like to we have a project would you like to come in and talk to us about it and I say no I'm over a hundred miles away from LA send me the script let me look at it and then we'll talk I don't audition. I don't go in and read for stuff. I mean, you know, people for 40 years, they know my work. You either want me or you don't. Right. And I, I uh, personally uh, don't want to have it. I never did. I was never into that Hollywood thing I, because, like I said, I've been married 36 years. For me, it was just a place where I worked. I would leave that and go home to my wife. I have, We raised six children, four girls and two boys. Very good. And Very I'm good. not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I wasn't, hey, I'm, you know, somebody said to me, I did a documentary, they put me in the archives of the uh, Academy, the Television Motion Picture Academy, and they did a three and a half hour interview over at one of the big hotels down here in Palm Springs, and they asked me, how would you like to be remembered Demond Wilson? Mm -hmm. And I said, as a husband, a man of God, a husband, and a father. There you go. I, you know what? 
you 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 I mean what what else is there to say but that I mean you know to me I mean I, I feel like you know those additions of course we're all going to look at that and appreciate that and applaud that you know and you know of course your fans are going to remember you exactly for what you've done on the screen but when you really dig deeper into it like to me personally I've always done that like watching you on screen growing up literally like appreciating the fact that um, I, I can just tell that was your passion that was something that you really was was sent here to do to be able to at least at the end of the day um, you know touch as many people as you can your the the way that you were brought up and taught and what you believed in and I think all of us you know that really appreciate you can really just kind of take to that and then on you know icing on the cake is you being happily married for 36 years you haven't you know kids that that's that's going on to do bigger than life things and and you know like like I said my appreciation for you just stepped up like 10 more levels right now so that's really good yeah my baby my baby we've been together 36 years that's my boo 36 years she's been putting up with the old guy <laughs> we like uh, you know we our relationship now is like brother sister you know, <laughs> my kids call me up. They go, Daddy, what's your mama doing down there in the desert? We go, Nanya. <laughs> we get Nanya today, and we're going to do Nanya tomorrow. Ain't none your business what we're doing down there. We're grown. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> Enjoy your life. Send me a postcard every now and then. Let Pop know how you're doing. <laughs> me and Mama just fine down here. If people can go order the book. Second Banana, the bittersweet memoirs of the Sanford and Son years. If you go to www.secondbanana.net, second is 2ndbanana.net, and we are listening to DeMond Wilson on our I just radio. got a, a, a thousand books, and, and I got out of the thousand books, I got maybe I'll have 19 or 20 left, and, I, and, I, and they haven't arrived yet. That's okay. the way it's been going, you know. And that's a beautiful thing, though. That's a, that's a good thing. It's selling like hotcakes, right? So people well, that's what my son to... says, but he doesn't have to sit here in the office and deal with these crazy people that's going to go to the FBI <laughs> if they don't get their books in 30 seconds. You know? <laughs> and you know what, yeah. you, told, you told me that before it went live, and I just I just couldn't. You know, I'm, I'm a patient man. I, I can wait for my book. So when it comes... Well, you know, I put on the thing that it, I, I tell people, look, this is a coffee table size book. This isn't a little pocket book that you can put in your overcoat pocket. It's illustrated. It's coffee table size. It's a book that you put out there. It's a. It's a, It's not only a, a, a journalistic uh, revelation, but it's a good book to look at. It's not something, it's too big, obviously, to put on the shelf. Right. And they don't realize what it takes to print a thousand books. I mean, it, it takes some, it takes four to six weeks to print those books. Right. And people simply don't realize, well, I paid my $25. One guy said to me, he said, I ordered Michael Jackson's book, and I got it in 14 days, and it's been over a month now, and I don't have my book, and I'm going to complain to PayPal. I said, let me tell you something. Michael Jackson has an army of people working overtime to put out whatever Michael has sung or said or, or, or done in front of the camera. I don't have an army. This is a book that I'm selling on the Internet. That's the future. You go to bookstores now, you can shoot a bullet and it won't hit nothing but the walls. <laughs> I, was in, I went into Barnes & Noble today. 
I was the only person in there. You go into Borders, you could play a hockey game in Borders. <laughs> People don't, ain't nobody going to, ain't nobody going to no bookstore to buy no book. That's so, that's 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 outdated. You can buy a book online. You don't go to a store and buy a book. You don't have to buy video. Video stores are going out of business. You know, 10 years ago, video stores was a big deal. Uh, now, right. people ain't got to go nowhere. You get Netflix. Netflix, yeah, absolutely, yep. It's, it's, they send it to you in the mail. This, this, is, this is the 21st century. And this guy talking about Michael Jackson. I'm not Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson was broke. Michael Jackson making more money now dead than he was alive. They've been making money off Michael Jackson. Like Elvis. Elvis died. He owed $3 million and had maybe $300,000. His daughter and his wife came in there. And that boy got so much money, and he did. Can't spend none of it. Can't spend none of it at all, at all. You know, well, for what would it? Well, for what would it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? And what would a man give for his soul? So that's how I want to be remembered: man of God, husband, father. However, people see me, that's their business. But that's how I want to be remembered. Yeah, I was I was going to add on there in an in inspirator because I, I you know I, I know there's so many people not just online but in you know in chat rooms right now listening to the show and you know myself included that it, it you know like I said it, it may have been out or played like before beforehand but you know for so many years you know of course you're getting you know so much love on the the naked nights and the centric TVs and some of these places and residuals absolutely absolutely <laughs> very true. And, I'm sitting uh, here behind my desk in the office looking at a replica of the truck that someone made me out of Detroit. It is so beautiful. It's about a foot and a half long and about a half a foot high of the old uh, Sanford truck with the Sanford on wow. the side. It's a trip. I mean, I get things from people around the world. It's incredible. Wow. Amazing. And, and we get it inspired is. by it. I mean, we get inspired by that. But like I said, I mean, you know, it, we just... We as fans, and, and I know there's legions of fans out there, we were driven by your passion, by Red's passion, by, you know, the people that put together. And, and, you, and to me, it just makes it even more worthwhile knowing that, you know, there were some things that you guys wanted to change to make it better, and it worked. And everything that you and Red did and you and the staff that, that put it together um, made it work. And, again, like, Forty years from now, people will still be looking at San Francisco as that oh, yeah. classic icon. I'll be, I won't, I won't be here, but they'll still, still be, be around. Demond, you'll still be there. <laughs> oh no, I don't know if I want to be a hundred. I don't, I don't know if Demond, I want to be a hundred. Demond, you and me, we'll still be doing this interview forty years from now. We'll be I, like, I don't hey. want to be a hundred. <laughs> if I, if I am around at hundred doing an interview, I won't know it. <laughs> 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 and then I have to wake a brother up. <laughs> hey, old timer, you can you 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 you're awake? Put your teeth in. You got to do this interview. <laughs> Put your teeth in. Let's talk. Turn on your yeah, let's talk. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> before before we let you go, um, I want to get a couple of people that want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, All right, now nothing crazy now, because if it's about the show, they got to buy the book. I ain't giving. I could tell them, but then I'd have to kill them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna put my man from the 901 area code, Cali, 
Welcome to Outlaw Culture Radio with DeMar Wilson, man. What's up? Man, what's going on, man? How you doing, Brandon? How you doing, Mr. Wilson? Doing good. All How right, man. Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm on the clock, man. Just wrapping up my work week, man. Sitting there listening to this interview, man. You gave me a lot of insight, man. A lot of things I didn't know about you personally, man, that you just kind of opened me up to, and I appreciate that, man. Well, bless your heart. I'm a very private man. I've been private all my life. Like I said, I, I, I laid in the cut, and um, I didn't do it. I always wanted to allow my work to speak for me. You know, there's a whole lot of people out there tooting their horn, and I never was like that. I'm, I'm from Harlem. I'm from the street. And, and I always, when people come up to me and say, I love your work, I love what you did, that's, that's all I need. I don't want no trophy. Right. I don't need no, no plaque. I don't need no applause. Just when some, when the average brother Joe at the airport, the supermarket, say, Demond Wilson, I love your work. That's all I need. Right. Right, now definitely, man. I'm an 80s baby, you know what I mean? So I grew up on the, the latter end of the whole Sanford and Son era, you know what I mean? But, uh -huh. you know, just you putting us up on the little insight behind your background. Like, I didn't know you came out of Harlem. I didn't know you was a Vietnam vet, you know what I'm saying? All that just Decorated, kind of decorated, decorated. Right, right decorated. decorated. I'm looking at all my medals and bronze star. I'm looking at all my stuff, Army Commendation Medal, Unit Citation, and plaques on my wall. I'm standing in my office right now. Decorated veteran with the 4th Infantry Division, Central Highland, play cool. You know, I was up there, 66 through 67. Man, we all know what kind of, you know what I'm saying, bloodshed took place over there, man. So it's an honor and a, a blessing just to be able to sit here and talk to you for a minute, man. But uh, the one well, thing I did want to ask you, I appreciate uh -huh. that, but I just want to ask you, um, how do you come up with the title for your book, Second Banana? Like, how does that title correlate with the... Second Banana has to do with burlesque. It has to do with burlesque. And red is from that whole burlesque era. They call right, it... Those the are the dancers, right? Uh, burlesque was, was not just dancers. It was comedians also. It was like a burlesque show. These okay. put shows on. You know, Josephine Baker and Burt Williams and Fanny Bryce. And the second banana is like when you have a comedy team, you have a top banana and you have the second banana, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Okay. Laurel and Hardy. Right. Abbott and Costello. Right. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Okay. So then Lucille Ball was the top banana. Desi Arnaz was the second banana. Dean Martin was the straight man for the crazy man, Jerry Lewis. See, you know, I was a straight man for Red Fox. He's the crazy man. Right, you can't have right. to, You couldn't have done that show with Richard Pryor and Red Fox because you had you would have two comedians. You need a straight man for the com for the comedian to play off of. So okay. the second banana is a show business term, which means co-star. Oh, okay. Dig that, man. I appreciate nah. that, man. That's something I've never heard before in the industry, show business, TV at all. You know what I mean? So I well, appreciate you know, that. that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a term that, that goes back, like I said. It goes back to, to, to vaudeville and burlesque. Right. And you that was like in the 20s and 30s. And when you brought up, I was listening about what y'all said about the whole Tyler Perry thing, man, and that's exactly what I thought about, like the whole new era, Sambo, vaudeville, Type of Man, it's so embarrassing. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's so I heard you say that. I was like, you know what? It's good to know that I'm not the only dude that feel that way. Because, you know, he, he's been embraced by black America, man, wholeheartedly. 
for the most. No, he's been embraced by white America. <laughs> that's that's the image that they want of us coons. You know that little that little brother. Like I, you know, I, John Amos is a personal friend of mine, and I love John. We go back. We got history. But you know, when he left that show and Jimmy Walker took over, man, I, you know, it was embarrassing. Right, right. It was embarrassing, and that little fat black brother with the white beard and his crazy pants and the suspenders. He ain't nothing but a buffoon, man. He's a coon. Right. He's, He's a like clown. A modern, yeah. Like your 21st century Sambo right there. That's what he is. And Tyler Perry dressing up like a woman. What's up with that? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's the way they yeah. want to view the black man. They want us to be emasculated. That is why the black woman is in charge in America. If You know, 90% of of uh, uh, I, I I don't know if the, if the percentage is that high, but it's a high percentage of of uh, single family homes, single parent homes, and women are trying to raise black young black men, and that's one of the reasons why we have so much crime and and, and kids going to jail uh, because there's no father figure in the household. You got women having children out of wedlock and, 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 and there's no if there's no father figure, when those girls grow up they'll go out there in the street and try to find love in all the wrong places. Exactly, exactly. And so there's no male role. They want us emasculated. They want us looking like buffoons and, and being whipped. And you know, the woman in charge, let me tell you something. You know, my wife has never approached me like that. We don't deal with each other like that. You know, according to the Bible, it, 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 it's the man and the woman. She is his meat. We are to support one another, hold one another up. I am to honor her, and she is to honor me. Ain't nothing in there. You know, this this mess out here today is crazy. Yeah, you know what? Like a lot of people. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of, go ahead, Callie. Go ahead and say what she was going to say. I was going to tell me this. It's kind of what we missing, you know, from my generation in the 80s, baby, you know, coming up in this 21st century. I can definitely relate to what you said earlier in the interview about, you know, we was younger, man, cats knew how to be cool. We youngsters nowadays going out here wilding out, you know, you said when it was your day. You Drunk and day. acting like fools. You cross your leg, you threw your handkerchief on your knee, you put your hand, I'm like, you know what, man? We need a chapter from that era, man, to teach the youngsters, man, how you're supposed to play it, man, because it's not about the wilding out and everything, man. I heard a kid say to me, I said, I said, can't you just go out and have, oh, I just can't go out and have a drink. I got to get drunk. And I go, you know, I, was, I got drunk once in my life when I found out I was going to Vietnam. And drunk right. is not fun. Drunk oh, don't wow. feel good before, during, or after. Drunk don't feel good. And you've got these kids that are doing this every night. Yep. All right. Yep. There's, there's a lot of different elements that's missing as far as, um, and, and that's why we always try to take it back and just remind people about the culture uh, of, of what it really was. I mean, not just on the business side, which to me, talking to you and spending time with you to mind is, is an eye opener. I mean, you know, it's, it's better than advertised. And at the same time, it's, it's something that I feel like, and I know Callie as well, um, and I know a lot of listeners that's actually really uh, catering to this whole interview is is really wanting to see if they can be able to stretch it out and and teach some of the younger people. I mean, I have a I have a seven year old daughter, and it's you know I I definitely want to try to 
um, instill everything, not just by what you said, by, you know, living right and doing the best that you can and, you know, believing in your higher power and, you know, and everything that comes along with being self-motivated and self-disciplined mentally. Starts in the home, man. If you don't have it in the home, you're not going to get it in the street. Starts in the home. Absolutely. Definitely. I had, I, I, I had, you know, my, my, my mom and dad were always there. My father went to work every day. He would leave when it was still dark outside because he worked in New Jersey. He commuted, and he came home every night. I could hear the key going to the door at 6 p.m., uh, except on Wednesdays. That's when he got his hair cut and his mustache trimmed up, and he put his paycheck on that table every Monday night, and my mother would cut the money up, give him his lunch money, his fare money, and pay the bills, and that's the way I grew up. I didn't grow up with no key around my neck and going home and wasn't nobody there. If I went home for lunch, my mother was there. Right, and, right, and, latchkey and, kid. And, and that was a whole generation. I wasn't no latchkey kid, no sir. Right, right. Wow. No sir. I was raised, I was raised to, to, to respect women. I was raised to, you know, <laughs> my wife would tell you, with our children, they said, my daddy don't play. <laughs> you know, you can use the music. You know my DeMond, daddy don't play. I can tell, play. man. I can definitely tell. DeMond do not play at all whatsoever. And right. You, like, kinda, you can tell. You had to make sure, you had to make sure to call him. He said, man, make sure they don't ask no crazy questions now, man. You know, like, I'm not going to play with this guy, man. <laughs> I'm too old for that. I, I'll be I'll be 64 October 13th. I'll be 64 years young. And still going. And still, still going. going. Still going. And still going. My daughter's birthday is on the on the first of October. So very good, very good. I'm well. I'm glad to... I had this time with you, man. Absolutely. You know what? I definitely appreciate you for not just calling in and just, you know, hanging out with us for, for the duration. But definitely don't be a stranger. And also, before you go, I, I know, uh, you know, an, another guy out there in Chicago, my man Vito, wants to say hello to you. So I'm going to go ahead and put him on right now before we let you go. Vito, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Brandon? How you doing, Mike? Good, good, good. We, we yeah, to hey, how you tomorrow. doing, DeMond Wilson? I'm doing good. How are you, brother? Oh, pretty good, man. Uh, my parents have been watching you since, uh, <laughs> see, my dad's the same age as you are, exactly the same age. And my parents probably been married the, probably the same amount of years, almost the same amount of years as uh, you and your wife. Okay, mm -hmm. this, this is my question to you if, you, if you have time to answer it. Yeah, if it's not a five-parter. Okay, no, no, it ain't a <laughs> Definitely not. You <laughs> wasted five minutes on asking me that. <laughs> hey, what is it? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> how, have you, how have you kept the spark alive in your marriage for, for over 36 years? And do, uh, you I know, love do my your children wife. watch reruns of Saffron and Son also? Nah. Uh, to the first question, it was a two-parter. I love my wife. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, my kids, no. They grew up with daddy in television and movies, so that doesn't mean nothing to them. It's just daddy. Um, <clears throat> I moved them out of that Beverly Hills community when they started entering puberty and moved to Orange County where they had Pop Warner football and, 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 and AYSO soccer. They came up like normal kids, so they don't, they're not into that Hollywood thing. 
and I love my wife. I didn't. I didn't marry somebody that I I, I liked. Um, I, I I loved my wife. When I met my my wife is drop dead gorgeous. Number one, and number two she had a number two she has a sense of humor, and she used to snap on me all the time. And 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 I I had never had that before. I had never had a woman snap on me, and then she would come back and laugh. And the, and, and so the the humor and the love that we had um, uh, kept us together. Plus the children, like I said, um, we like brother and sister now because we're old. You know, she sleep down the hall, and I'm down here in this part of the house. So you know, I got my space, and she got her space. We have breakfast in the morning. We hang out during the day, but at night we say good night, baby. You know. <laughs> Going down there, Daddy going to sleep. <laughs> Big Wait, Papa going to sleep. <laughs> what what makes it work is that that's beautiful. I mean that that inspires. I know a lot of people that you know. Hey, you know what? You you can't. Don't you can't marry no woman that don't have no sense of humor. Let I me mean, just say that. Hey, the mind. If she ain't got no sense of humor, leave her like a freight train leaves a hobo. <laughs> Do not. Waste no time with no woman that don't have no sense of humor. Life is too short and too long right. for that kind of nonsense. Marry, I'm not talking about marrying the Joker, but, you know, marry somebody who has a sense of humor. Because that, that goes, once the sexual thing has, has weaned, and it will, if you got a woman with a sense of humor and y'all can laugh at each other, laugh at the right. world, laugh at the situation around you, you can make it. That's right. Man, that's right. a good piece of advice right there, man. I'm going to take that Absolutely. to the heart. I mean, you know, I'm not saying to go out there and look for the to, to, for the for the, the town fool, or the village idiot, but, you know, <laughs> find find a girl find a girl that's got a sense of humor, man. And, and something that's not hard to look at. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, um, and, and, and Callie, I'm surprised you forgot to mention it to DeMond. Um, the, the wardrobe you guys had for Sanford and Son, who actually picked the wardrobe back in the day? Did you guys have a say in it? Lady by the name of Lady by the name of Rita Riggs. Okay. Who has Rita uh, has Riggs. who has Rita R I T A Riggs. She did she still does movies. She has uh, Oscar nominations and Emmy awards and they just used to put stuff on Lamont because the women would like to see my butt, I guess. I don't know. You know they, they just, so they put, they put tight jeans on me. So they, they said, oh, he's so cute. Oh, my God. I, I got, you know, you can't imagine how many demands there are in America. My mama was, my mama loved you. That's why my name is Demond. I go, oh, gee, that's interesting. You go on Facebook, there's like 90 demands. And from oh, from, from Rita Riggs putting them kind of clothes on me. That's what she. That's what they wanted, and that's you know. That's, if I, you know, they didn't want me looking. They wanted me with tight pants and a shirt open. Say, so, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to grease myself to get in my jeans. You know. <laughs> No doubt. Hey, and people out there listening, Demond has a Facebook and Twitter. And if you don't mind, Mr. Wilson, I have a fan site. I got a fan site too. Okay, okay. Well, you yeah, go I got about. Listeners. Well, it's just my name. Everything is Demond Wilson. Twitter.com yeah. slash Demond Wilson. 
Facebook, Facebook and the fan site. And the fan site. Fan site's got a whole bunch of Sanford and Son pictures, and the Facebook is just what I look like now, uh, you know. So it's, it's just, as a matter of fact, it's a picture that uh, they took of me when I was, uh, I did Girlfriends when I played the uh, little light-skinned girl's father in about six episodes. I can't think of her name now, bless her heart. She's a fine young actress. Mm -hmm. I mean, that picture's on Facebook. That's from the... The, the, the set of uh, girlfriends, which okay. was shot at Paramount. That was a well, long-running show. That. I remember that. Long-running show, very long-running show. I think they ran like nine, ten years. Absolutely, I remember. And what happened mm -hmm. with that show? Uh, did they get canceled or something? Because I remember they didn't have. A they ran now. nine years. Nine years is a long time. Everybody got tired. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, time to go. <laughs> it's it. Yeah, nine years. Good lord. And too many shows go past that. You, what you, the magic mark is 100 shows. Once you reach 100 shows, then it goes into syndication. That's what everybody wants. They want 100 right. shows. That's why some of these sitcoms on cable, they're doing like uh, 50 episodes a season. So they can run it on, you know where it's going to be, Tyler Perry stuff, going to be on BET. Ain't no network going to put that fool on there. <laughs> the DT's not a real network, huh? <laughs> uh, it's a schlock. It's a schlock house, is what it is. It's a mess. You be watching BET, and all of a sudden, you hear a commercial will come on. What the heck? <laughs> People can go get the second banana. Go ahead and order the book online if you go to www. Oh, order too much of it. My stock is running out. I ain't gonna have no stock left. <laughs> Well, DeMond, I already got my order in, so everybody go get it while it lasts. And, and hey, what's your name? <laughs> Charles. No, I mean, how did you, what was the code name for your book? I mean, when you when you, when you you bought it online. Oh, it's under, uh, it should be under uh, Vintage Music Radio. Okay, Vintage Music Radio, I'll look for it. I'll make sure you get a book out, get a book out to you. You get the $50 book or the $25 book? Come on, you know I had to get your autograph on it, so. Oh, okay then. All right then. <laughs> I was just about to talk you about know you. What's funny, baby? <laughs> you know, you know if I, you know if I had to do it, I had to do it big. So you know, anytime. Yeah, 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 yeah. That way, I sign it personally. I got Great. it. Absolutely, absolutely. Demond, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, and I know your fans do. Cali does. Vito does. Okay. On behalf of this staff. I really appreciate you, not just, you know, for, for having that iconic show like Sanford and Son, but for you to come in and, and bless us with your personal stories and your, your personal achievement, achievements and accomplishments. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to be able to have this dialogue with you. And don't be a stranger. Well, bless your heart. I appreciate it, man. And God bless all your listeners, and, and thank you. Uh, no thank problem. You. That, that, that is DeMond Wilson. And uh, definitely appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. This is Outlaw Culture Radio. And uh... next legacy.